You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. I'm going to get right into the message because it's so, 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 so of God. Um, it's called Ask of Me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. It's a messianic psalm and it was intended for Christ. Christ is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We honor him as such. The Father God said this to Jesus, the Son, Ask of me and I will give you the nations of the earth for your inheritance. In fact, if you read the whole psalm, it says, Why do the heathens rage? Why have the kings of the earth gathered together? Why do they say to God, let us throw off these restraints? Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in a time where our nation and the world is casting off all moral restraints from values of sexuality and honesty and purity and gender and they're raging against God it's not that oh you could either believe in God or not believe in God no they're raging against God against Christianity but God says ask of me why can we ask of God as well if this is intended for Christ because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ he said I reign and I want you to reign alongside of me I want to raise your faith to ask. You see, Jesus taught us how to ask in Matthew 7 and 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. In John 4, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Christmas time is coming, my favorite time of the year. I don't know about you, but uh, I I like specific giving. (laughs) So my wife... She said, well, what would you like for Christmas? You know, and I ask. <laughs> you know, Apple came out with these really cool ear, ear pods now that are noise canceling. <laughs> so I ordered them and she's going to put it under the tree for me. <laughs> but it's a secret. So shh, don't tell anybody. God challenged me when I pastored. I, I, I'm doing missions work for now. Uh, next year will be 50 years. Every year, every summer of my life, since I was 16 years old, I went on a missions trip. I'm the only son, but I have four sisters, two older, two younger. So there was a family of five. It was a seven, family of seven, but my older brother died at birth. And my other sister was a twin of another girl. She died after 11 months. But five of us in the family. My, 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 my dad was such a man of God. He asked of God and God gave him me. And as I grew and I pastored the church in Union, New Jersey, God was opening up the Soviet Union. And one day I fell on my knees and I said, God, I ask you for the nation of Ukraine. I, I, I wasn't born there. I speak the language. But I'm an American just like you with, with Slavic parents. And I asked the Lord. And the Lord, he, 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 he revealed and showed me that he wanted to give me that nation. So in 1973, we went on our first missionary journey. I was a teenager. I was 19 years old. And you see pictures of Lenin everywhere. Do you have a picture of Lenin here? There he is. I mean, like we have Coca-Cola and McDonald's and we're sick of advertising. They had no advertising. It was all propaganda. It was all pictures of this bald-headed guy with a little goatee. <laughs> and uh, and if, in the small letters, you can't see it, but it says Lenin lived Lenin lives and Lenin will live forever. Doesn't sound like Jesus yesterday, today, and forever the same. 
Well, if you take God out of the picture like the Soviet Union did, you got to put a small God in there, and that was the small God. His body's on display in the mausoleum, but uh, the Russians make fun of him, call him sucho fruit or dried fruit. <laughs> they have to keep adding wax to that body, but he's somewhere uh, stoking the furnace and shoveling coal right now, I'm sure. <laughs> and on my first missionary journey, uh, I saw this propaganda everywhere. We went as tourists, but we went and visited the registered churches. But I'm going to get right to the point. So as a tourist, there was a tourist agency called Interest where they would take you to museums and, and, and stadiums and, and, and one time a circus and they would brag about how wonderful the Soviet Union was. So I remember in the city of Donetsk, that's on the east side where the war is going on right now, this young Komsomol, um, uh, that's the next slide. She, she, she was a young communist. They had the pioneers, which were the communist boys and Girl Scouts. Then they had the teenage group, which was the Komsomols, young communists, and then the Communist Party members. She was about 21. She was gorgeous. Uh, she had black hair, beautiful, blazing, dark eyes. She was very attractive. She was wearing a, a micro miniskirt. That caught my attention as a 19-year-old. <laughs> And she was uh, telling our group of five people, she was saying, oh, this is where our glorious Soviet athletes race and we win all these gold medals. But she knew we were Christians. And the interest had, was part of the KGB, the secret police. And she's poking fun at us. And she said, yeah, she said, some people of your faith came to the stadium and they prayed a prayer that one day the gospel would, the, uh, that you would have, re uh, she didn't say the gospel, but one day that there would be meetings of your faith in this stadium. And then she said with a sneer, I'll never forget this, but it will never happen. When she said those words, the zeal of God in my teenage heart rose up within me. She wasn't pretty anymore. <laughs> I walked away and I'm telling you exactly how it happened. Exactly, word for word. This was burned into my memory indelibly. I walked away, I made a fist, and I prayed into my fist. And I said, oh God, let her words fall to the ground. Secondly, I prayed uh, two things. That number one, uh, stadiums would one day be used for evangelism crusades. I prayed that in 1973. Number two prayer, I prayed that Billy Graham would come and preach in those stadiums. Hallelujah. So my point is this. Ask of me, says the Lord. Ask big things. Ask impossible things. Ask God for the nations. Ask God for the northwest of America to be God's inheritance in Jesus' name. Ask. Ask. I didn't realize that one week from today you would be doing this at this time. But this is God's challenge to you in this message. Ask of me. You have not because you do not what? Ask. But if you ask, ask that my name would be glorified. This is God's inheritance for his name, for his glory. So I prayed these two things. Fast forward 17 years ahead. I'm in a car. Uh, oh, I forgot one detail so then we've, we're finishing this tour of 50 days at seven weeks in a day and we were in the city of Chernozy now this is on the west coast 
They put us up in this really dilapidated hotel, Soviet. Soviet hotels were not the best, let me tell you. And I walked down this little balcony overlooking the street, the boulevard, the trees, a park. And I saw a soccer stadium. And I remembered, this is the same trip, I remembered the, the arrogant words of this young Komsomol, this young communist. It will never happen. And so I, I raised my hand towards the stadium. I said, God, I pray that that stadium would one day be filled with people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 17 years went by. I forgot that prayer. I'm in a car. I'm with Paul Kanievich, a guy I sing with, Tony Oras, a guy I sing with. And we're in a car ready for services in that city. We stop at a red light. I look to the left and it says Hotel Bukovina. It's the name of the hotel. And I said, oh my goodness, I stayed there in 73, the first year I went. Then I saw a YouTube video in my head. The Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance and I see like a, a mental picture of myself standing on that balcony with an outstretched hand praying that a stadium would be filled with people. The light turns green, right? We move ahead. Iron gates open up and 15,300 people filled that particular stadium to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time in 70 years of communism. Because... A teenage boy, age 19 years old, asked God for something impossible during the monolithic Soviet Union, an empire, a revolution. Who thought that it would crumble without a war, without a shot being fired? And you know, it was still 1991 when that happened. Excuse me, 1990. And it was still the Soviet Union. It was still Gorbachev. It was still the Communist Party. And the local leaders didn't want to give the stadiums that the Soviet Union was crumbling. And so the Christians, they made all these posters. They went to the Red Cross. They said, can you hire the stadium for us? Yeah, if you let us charge one ruble per ticket. One ruble is like a dollar. <laughs> and so they sold 15,300 rubles to 15,300 people. The money went to the Red Cross. All because a teenage boy. James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask. But we also must ask for the right reasons. Verse 3 says you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrong, wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, let's move forward to 1986, right? 1986, I was a pastor of a local church. And the... Registered Church Now in the Soviet Union invited us as a church to come and visit churches there officially. All expenses paid. Now, I gave up missions work. I just go like a week or two weeks somewhere. But here we have an official invitation, and we're ready to go with this, my friend Paul, my friend uh, Tony, and uh, we're ready to go to, to, to the Soviet Union, right? Kiev and other cities. And Chernobyl blows up. HBO had a special on it about half a year ago. Five episodes. I implore you to watch them. Borrow somebody's password if you have to. <laughs> then give it back, okay? <laughs> I don't like HBO. It has a lot of filth on it. But this five-part series was so accurate to the detail. The buildings, the timing, the people on the bridge watching Chernobyl burn. It was 
riveting. You'll, it's amazing. The story is very accurate. And so Chernobyl blows up. Now, radiation, you can't see it. You can't smell it. It's not something you touch, but it will kill you. It will make you infertile. It will uh, radiate you. It will give you cancer of the thyroid and on and on and on. So our trip is scheduled in, in, in two weeks. And my wife says, you're not going. <laughs> but I ask God, ask of me, says the Lord. Ask of me. I said, Lord, do you want us to go? Yes. <laughs> but Lord, there's radiation. And the Lord gave me Genesis chapter 28, 15. Now these words were spoken to Jacob. That Jacob had to leave that place where he had a visitation of God. And he had got to go to a foreign country. But the Lord says, I am with you. I will protect you. Wherever you go, and I will bring you back safely to this land. Hallelujah. So I said to my wife, we're going. She says, okay, go to all the cities but Kiev. I said, okay. So we flew to Moscow because that's what the only air, international airport at the time. It's the Soviet Union, right? And they, so where, where's our next city? Kiev. <laughs> oh, no. And so we went to Kiev. We came into the city, right? And they have guys with gas masks. And they're... Geiger counters on our car and it's clicking. <laughs> and so we're, we're in the car. Goes, How's the radiation? Ah, it's tolerable today. <laughs> they have the gas mask and we're in the car and he's telling us it's tolerable. <laughs> 90 buses of children. We saw them. I counted them. I could tell you stories and stories. Washing the buildings morning and evening so that the radioactive dust from the buildings would go into the gutters and be swept away. We were in the western city of Rivne, and we were 15 pastors around a table in a restaurant. They asked me to pray. So I prayed what I prayed every day that trip to Chernobyl, to, uh, excuse me, to the Soviet Union. I said, Lord, bless this food. Let it, let it be health to our bodies. You promised us you would keep us. In Jesus' name, amen. We started to eat. There were two Japanese engineers sitting about five tables away. And one of them came up to me. He had a, a pen. He said, sir, um, you speak English? I said, yes, I do. This is a dosometer. Dosometer. It measures radiation. Can I measure your, your, your roast beef? I said, sure. He measures. He said, hmm. He went back. And then he starts yelling at the waiter. And finally, this argument got very heated. And he threw down his napkin. And the two Japanese engineers left. So the waiter comes over to me. True story, word for word. I said to the waiter, what was that all about? He was demanding that I feed you the same, feed him the same meat I gave you. He says, his meat is radiated off the charts. Your meat has zero radiation. I cut it from the same piece of meat. I forgot about that story until I was in a church in Portland. A pastor sitting next to me says, George, I was sitting next to you. Do you remember? I go, no. We were sitting in this restaurant and the meat was not irradiated. I go, oh yeah. <laughs> How many things do we ask of God that he does and we forget about them? Give God glory. Give God praise. Say thank you, God. You are a God who answers prayer. That's God's promise. But then what if I don't know what to ask God? Well, what if I don't know how to ask God? Invite the Holy Spirit to pray through you. Romans 8.26 teaches us. The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know how to pray as we should. How many people agree with that? Well, okay, admit it to God. God, I want to ask you, because it's not about me, it's about you telling me to ask you, but what do I ask? How do I ask? Holy Spirit, would you reveal the mind and the heart of God so I can pray what you want accomplished? I just, I just expose to you one of the ways that God gets his will done by putting a desire to ask him so now he can actually answer that prayer by using us to ask and he will answer the prayer. Hallelujah. The Spirit himself intercedes. Invite the Holy Spirit to pray through you. He will inspire you. He will remind you. He will bring to your mind a verse, a word, a picture, a passion. I was in India in 2014. I teach at a Bible school there, Youth of the Mission. And they can't pay my way. They can't give me an honorarium. But once a year, I go visit a country where I could give. And, and, and what I receive back is prayers and encouragement and helping the poor. I've been doing it for the last 21 years. We're going again this February. And while I was there this year in 2014, the, the, there's a square in, in Kiev called the Maidan. And it, it, it exploded. It, it exploded into violence. A hundred people at least were killed, maybe more, but a hundred were recorded. And, uh, and, and there was revolution in the streets of the city of Kiev. Now, without getting into the politics, which is not my purpose what, whatsoever, I had the question that I had to answer in my own heart. God, do you want me to go? Because I was scheduled in May to do a big youth conference in a western city in Ukraine. And I say, God, if you do want me to go, I need, th I need three confirmations. No, make it four, I said, God. <laughs> Remember how Gideon wasn't sure about the will of God? And God was patient with him and made the fleece sweat and then he made the grass sweat and vice versa, right? Well, actually, if you read the story of Gideon from beginning to the end, God gave him four confirmations. He burned up the food with his staff and the two fleece uh, confirmations. And then one time when he went down to the tent of the Midianites, he heard what God had to say. I said, God, I want four, <laughs> and I'll go. <laughs> well, that night, I prayed at my bedside, and God gave me peace. You will go. Okay, that's number one. I'll just take that, Lord. The peace of God is one of your best confirmations. You're doing the will of God. Because when you're not doing the will of God, you don't have peace. <laughs> you have a troubled spirit. But God gave me such peace. I'm going to go. Go, hmm. Okay, God, three more. <laughs> well, at the end of the week on Friday, the director of the school and his wife said, we want to pray for you. I said, I love prayer. Okay. So they began to pray for me. So the, the, the director's wife, she said, God gave me a word that he will send his angel ahead of you and you will, he will break the bars of iron and, and open wide the gates of bronze. And I said, I love that chapter. God gave that to me when I started doing ministry in Chernobyl and ministry in the Soviet Union. That's for me. Thank you, God. Revelation number two. And then somebody else said, Isaiah 45. I don't know what's there. Let's look it up. He was the exact word. I will send an angel ahead of you. He will open up the 
bars of iron, the gates of brass. And the girl said, hey, you know what? I got open, open. I didn't know what it meant. But go, God's opening the gates. I go, okay. I went. It was a powerful, powerful time. But before I went, it was, I came home from India, and I was in Jacksonville, Florida. I spoke at a Bible school, but they had me speak at a church service that morning. So I sat down on the first pew. A guy named Pasha Stefogel, you probably know him, sat next to me. Hey, George, how are you doing, Pasha? He said, oh, I'm so happy. Pasha, why are you so happy? God gave me a scripture this morning. I said, oh, really? What scripture did he give you? Yeah, Isaiah 45. I will send my angel ahead of you. I go, no, Pasha, that wasn't for you. <laughs> God actually gave me five confirmations. You know, never fear to verify if what God is saying is really from the Lord. God knows that we live in a body of flesh and we get fearful. God knows that Gideon was fearful. God will confirm to you. And in fact, in the Old Testament, then Paul quotes it in the New, let everything be established by the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses or confirmations as such. There's one more thing to ask. Pray that the Lord would send workers into the mission fields. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. But something, so why did Jesus say to his disciples to pray that God would raise up workers, laborers? Because there's something interesting that happens when we pray the will of God the way Jesus taught us to pray, we get invested in that. <laughs> Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is there also. As you pray for others to go, what happens, oftentimes we become the answer to our own prayer. <laughs> John 15, 16, Jesus said, I chose you that what? You should go. G-O. Go means a change of locations. Not permanently for most people, but temporarily. And bear fruit. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. Let me challenge you today that you should go to Seattle. <laughs> you should go across the Pacific. You should go to the farthest ends of the earth. You should ask the Father. And the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will give you a bride for His Son. <laughs> Hallelujah. We become the answer to our prayer. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go, it's an imperative. It's not a request. It's a command. I raised my hand about military service because I never served in the military. The draft was canceled one year before. I didn't go to Vietnam, praise God. <laughs> but my son, Luke, was uh, asked to join the military as a captain. He got his doctorate as a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, a long runway. He's got two master's degrees. And today he's an officer in the Air Force. The coolest thing is we get on this Air Force base. And by the way, it's a nuclear base. So they had high weapons. They had these gate, they had these teeth that would pop out of the ground to stop bombers. <laughs> well, I mean, it was serious security. 
and you know the guards at the gates i mean they're packing nines and 15s and 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 machine guns and asking for our passports and then they would sharply salute my son i go hey man nobody ever saluted me before <laughs> he would say something and they would do it he's, a, he's an officer well be faithful in little things one of the little things that I didn't appreciate at all as a child was go to five years to Ukrainian school. Now, this is specific to me. This is not for you. As a little boy, uh, about eight years of age, uh, my dad enrolled me in an Orthodox church where they taught Ukrainian. I hated it. My teacher was like 140 years old. <laughs> she had a voice like a crow. <laughs> Saturday mornings, 9 to 12. I mean, oh, man. You know, I want to watch cartoons as a little kid, right? Then go out, play stickball or football in the streets of Newark, New Jersey, where I grew up. Here I'm sitting in a class of 20 other kids learning Ukrainian. Why? For who? And I never realized that those were the skills that I would one day use. You know, Jesus said, if you are not faithful with that which belongs to another, who will give you your own? You know what I discovered is that God wants to train you by putting you in an intern program, by putting you in an associate program, by putting you serving the ministry of someone else. And it's not your ministry. But when you are faithful and your time comes to completion, then God can release to you your ministry. God can release to you your mission's direction. And as a young boy, I was in servitude to that school. As a young man, I joined for 12 years a ministry of my brother-in-law and sister in a, and, 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 and singing. For 10 more years, I was in servitude to a local church because my dad was at the age of retirement. And after 22 years of faithful ministry, I went out by faith in my own ministry. And I've lived by faith ever since. I went from a good salary to zero dollars the next month. My wife worked as a nurse and we raised three kids and put them through college and grad school. And God has shown himself faithful. Hallelujah. You see, give him glory. Give him glory. As you go, God leads you. You see, we want guidance ahead of time. We want directions ahead of time. We want to know everything ahead of time. But God says, go. Abraham said, where? Where I will show you. Imagine telling your wife that God is leading us. Where? I don't know. He'll show me. <laughs> well, where are we going? No, we just have to go. But believe it or not, we call him such a man of faith because he trusted the Lord. You know, God can't steer a parked car, can he? Did you ever do that as a kid? Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> it's in park and the engine's off. <laughs> You're turning the wheel. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> You're playing car. You're playing driver, which is fine as a child. But now it's time to put away childish things. I love the guidance of the servant of Abraham. It's a little gem. If you don't read the Old Testament, you'll never pick up these little gems. So Abraham makes his servant, his faithful servant, Eliezer, who would have inherited had God not given Isaac to, to Abraham, okay? He said, go and find a bride for my son. 
So now this servant, he goes out. He goes out. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know who this young lady is going to be. He doesn't know where to go, but he goes. And then finally he finds Rebecca. Finally she agrees to be Isaac's bride. Finally she becomes one of the wives of the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as they're asking Eliezer, how did you find this bride? Let me put it to you. How will you find your husband? <laughs> how will you find your wife, your future um, life partner? Well, as Eliezer said, and I love it in the King James or the New King James because the, the grammar is exactly like it is in the Hebrew. It's backwards. <laughs> now listen to what he says. I, Eliezer, Eliezer, being in the way, comma, the Lord led me. First of all, he got in the way. First of all, he went, not knowing where to go. And as he went, the Holy Spirit is now said, turn left, turn right. No, no, go straight. Forty years in the wilderness, how did they know where to go? The fire of God would, would rise and it would lead them. Hallelujah. I think God's problem is getting us out of our cushy, cushion church seat. Is that right? <laughs> You don't have to be a full-time missionary. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a young person. But if the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart, get up and go. And he will direct you where to go. And when you go, pray with passion. Don't just say, okay, Lord, wherever you want, your will be done. Kind of okay with that. <laughs> No, Jesus, with loud cries and tears, he prayed to God. Although he was a son, he learned obedience, Hebrews 5 and 7. Let me tell you another story because Jesus told stories. And the narrative is what we learn from. It was 1974. We just came out of the Soviet Union. I had just prayed those exciting prayers about um, having, asking Billy Graham to come and asking that stadium. By the way, I left out one more detail. That prayer about Billy Graham coming, right? Well, he went to Moscow, and he had one of the largest crusades. He was supposed to come to Kiev, but he got sick with Parkinson's. The Baptist leadership asked me to be the translator for Billy Graham in 1994. Although, wow, the privilege of a lifetime. And he goes and gets sick. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2007, Franklin comes to Kiev. And the Billy Graham organization calls me up and they say, we want you to translate Franklin from English into Ukrainian. Thank God for that old lady in Ukrainian school. <laughs> As I stood behind a pulpit in the largest stadium in Kiev, the Olympic Stadium, the largest gathering of Christians that was ever recorded in Ukraine's history, 42,000 500 on Sunday, 39,000 on Friday. And the choir stood up to sing just as I am. 4,000 people from all over the nations came to sing. And I translated Franklin into Ukrainian. And 6,000 people got out of their seats. And they're coming forward. And a chill went back down my neck because I remembered as a 19-year-old teenager, I prayed that the stadiums will be filled to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I prayed that Billy Graham would come to Ukraine. 
Never did I expect, never did I dream, never would I dare to presume that God would use me to help answer a prayer for His glory. Young lady, young man, ask. Ask of me, says God. I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Go back to the story. In 1974, after the Soviet Union, we went to a youth conference in, uh, uh, by Christiansand, Norway. Uh, a missions leader had invited us. Lauren Cunningham was the main speaker. Brother Andrew Open Doors was another speaker. Um, and uh, it, was a fr- it was a Friday there's so many good speakers. We were the singers. We sang and Lauren spoke. And that night was a move of God. It was so powerful that uh, the leader did something I've never seen done before or even since. And it's a good thing. Maybe you want to try this someday. Excuse me. He said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, the presence of God is so powerful that tomorrow we're going to meet in the center of town for a Jesus march. And then we have a bag lunch prepared for you and send you out two by two into the city, all right, to witness, you know, two by two. He says, but don't greet anyone. Don't go to the coffee shop for tea. Take 10 or 15 minutes, go straight to your room or find a place in the woods to pray and ask God what he wants to tell you about tomorrow's day. And I took that so seriously. I was 20 at this time. So I went right back to my room. I knelt in my, 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 by my bed. And I was serious about this. And I asked God, I said, God, tomorrow when we go to speak about you, God. God, I don't like personal witnessing. I'm scared. God, I don't always know what to say. God, how am I going to witness the Norwegians? I know they speak English and everything, but I feel like a stranger in a strange land. God, I want your passion. God, I want your heart. And I asked God a dangerous question. I said, God, what do you, how do you feel about these people? What is your heart feeling right now towards them? And the Holy Spirit fulfilled Romans 8. He says, we don't know how to pray as we should, but he expresses through groanings, through tears, we can't be uttered. I began to sob. Now, it's, it's, it's not unusual to cry when you pray. But this wasn't crying. This was weeping. This was a heavy, heavy burden on my heart. And, and I was heaving. It was so powerful. And then God gave me a vision. It was a mental picture. I saw a boy sitting on a beautiful spiraling wooden staircase in a very elegant, elegant home wood paneling on the I can see the details in my mind today wood paneling on the walls the banister was polished dark oak the stairs were dark this boy blonde haired boy sitting on the second step had his head in his hands and he's weeping too as hard as I was and all that he was saying was nobody cares for my soul nobody cares for my soul the Holy Spirit says tomorrow you will meet that boy Tell him I care for his soul. And I began to weep for him. I began to pray for him. Sure enough, the next day we went out to the center of town. It was a beautiful Jesus march. We had signs. Jesus is Lord. Lord in Cunningham speaks. We sang. 
And then they gave us a bag lunch. They said, go out two by two. I took my paper bag and I finished my sandwich in the juice box. And I bit into an apple and they sent a Norwegian boy with me. It's Norwegian. And so we came upon three boys in black leather jackets our age. There's tough guys everywhere, even in Norway. And you know the kind, you know the lower lip is hanging out. Thumbs in their jeans. And the Norwegian boy, while I was finishing my apple, started speaking in Norwegian to the, to the three boys. They laughed at him. They mocked him. It was very, very clear, very evident. I don't know where the zeal comes from, but the zeal of the Lord. I threw away my apple. I said, hey, do you speak English? Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at the middle boy. It was him that I saw in my vision. And I said to him, word for word, it's no exaggeration, I saw you. When? I said, last night. Where? I said, I was praying for you. God gave me a vision. You were in your house. You were sitting on the second step. You had your head in your hands and you were weeping. You said, no one cares for your soul. Well, you know what? God cares for your soul. And he sent me from across the ocean by New York City to come to your country of Norway to tell you God cares for you. God loves you and I love you too. And he started crying. I'm crying. And the other two guys are like. <laughs> I wish I could tell you he received the Lord. He was probably pressured by peers. and Shook his head and said no. But I know that one day I will meet him. One day I'll see him. One day that God would, would share with me for a few brief moments his heart of passion for a boy that no one cares about. And God will show you that individual in Seattle. God will show you that group of people when you go. God will lead you to that stadium. God will put you in danger and you will be safe not a hair from your head will be burned. You won't have the smell of smoke on you. As long as you ask God what is on your heart? What do you want? Where should I go? Who do I speak to? Because Psalm 126 and I conclude those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. He who goes out weeping bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing sheaves. Isaiah, after seeing the glory of God, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Would you stand with me? The altar call is very simple today. If the Holy Spirit touched your heart and as an act of faith, you want to come and just stand at the altar. I'll pray with you then Pastor Vlad will make another invitation of another kind. But I'm only going to give you this opportunity. Did God speak to your heart? Did he say, go in my name? Did he say, ask in my name? I want you to come. And if it's not a room in the altar, just fill the aisles. Come now as we're led in a music or song. I want to pray with you a prayer. Just come. Just come. Might not be everyone. Might be a few might be more. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. If you're a girl, you can come. If you're a
you're a grandmother, you can come. If you're an older person, you can come. There's no ages here. There's no gender here. There's no professionalism here. God can use a teenager. He can use anybody. He can use you. Just come. Just come. Say, God, here I am. Here I am. Can you use me? Yes. And those of you that came, would you pray this prayer out loud? Dear God, I come in obedience to your voice. Here I am. Speak to me. Guide me. Take me. Show me. Inspire me. Tell me. And I'll do it. And I'll go. I ask you, do great and mighty things for your glory and let me take a part in that. I believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for these that pray that prayer. I pray that the wave of your Holy Spirit will not only inspire them for five minutes in this service, but as they go today, they heard from you as they go today, they heard your voice. They heard your spirit stirring the waters of their hearts, Lord, and use them for the glory of God. Father, give them boldness to pray prayers they never prayed before. Give them faith to believe what they've never seen before. Give them, Father, the impossible, because with God, nothing is impossible and I ask in the name of Jesus for the glory of God and God's people said amen thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation stay connected with us on Facebook Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat by using at Hungry Gen stay blessed and we'll see you next week